Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Jay Rich. This is Straight to the Bank. Thank you so much for tuning in. Preseason week one is in the book, so I will be touching on a few players that I really liked what I saw from in preseason. And then I have to touch on this team because it feels like I've been tagged on Twitter every single day. We'll be diving into the Chicago Bears, how I feel about Justin Fields, DJ Moore, and some of the other playmakers as well. Not really looking too much deeper than maybe Khalil Herbert. Talk a little Deontay Foreman, Roshan Johnson. But these other weapons for the Bears do not look so good in my projections right now. So let's dive into all this after you make sure you're following me on Twitter at your boy Jay Rich and you're subscribed to the Destination Devi Radio feed because all of our great content will be dropping every single day from all of our creators. So make sure you are subscribed and you check out the Wake Up Show on YouTube if you are not watching the Wake Up Show. We are going to three days a week, probably starting next week. So you're going to want to make sure you're tapped in for that because it is going to be a wild ride through preseason and the NFL season. Little bit of breaking news before we do get into the show. Zeke Elliott expected to sign with the Patriots. I did not actually see this before I recorded this podcast, but obviously it hurts the ceiling of Ramondre Stevenson. I don't think I would necessarily downgrade Zeke at all based off where he's going right now. He could be a guy who, for better or worse, scores the touchdowns for this team. We've seen Bill Belichick do this multiple times, so I wouldn't say that it's a sure thing that Zeke isn't the goal line back. But Ramondre, obviously his touch ceiling is much lower than it was previously. And I think it says a lot about how they felt about Pierre Strong and Kevin Harris heading into 2023 as their backup running backs. I don't think it changes a lot. I still think Ramondre is probably a top 12 guy. But that sell window that you had, closed shut. Ramondre is not returning top value anymore and probably never will. We'll see what happens, but definitely not a great sign for Ramondre if the Patriots do end up signing Zeke. And in my opinion, they will use him more than y'all are hoping for. And now back to Straight to the Bank. All right, y'all. So I do want to start off with a few players that did really impress me in preseason. I'm not going to go over their numbers so much. Just talking about why I believe you should have them on your fantasy rosters or at least be paying attention to what they could be heading into the NFL season. I have to start with Tank Dell in that first game because he was just so good And it felt like he left yards on the table along with Davis Mills. And I understand the chemistry isn't going to be 100%. But if the balls were where they're supposed to be every single time, Tank Dell could have had a lot of yards after the catch. And he was also missed on a deep bomb down the sideline. 
When you watch this guy play, his release packages are phenomenal. It's literally just his size, and I would almost compare him kind of to how we feel about Bryce Young. When we look at Bryce Young, we see a lot of great traits. We see a lot of intangibles. We know the IQ is off the charts, but when you look at his body and you look at the way he throws the ball with the velocity he throws it with, you're kind of like, well... He's pretty different than what we're used to seeing. He's not six foot two, six foot three. He's not even six feet tall. He can be as smart as heck, but we haven't seen guys like this succeed in the NFL. And it's kind of the same in a lot of ways for Tank Dell. He's a guy who's extremely undersized, didn't necessarily play at a P5 conference sole career. He did have a great final season. He did show out at the Senior Bowl, and that's really what put me on to Tank Dell. Like going there and seeing this guy in person play against NFL quality competition shows that he probably can succeed in the NFL. It's just, will he have the opportunity to do so? And then Houston comes in, drafts him, and you're like, okay. We know that Nico Collins is there. We know they signed Robert Woods. We know Dalton Schultz is there. They have a new quarterback in CJ Stroud. John Mechie is returning to the team, which is great to see. We're super happy to see John Mechie back. But could Tank Dell beat out John Mechie? Absolutely he could. And I think that's where Tank Dell is so intriguing because if you are in best ball leagues, or even if you're in certain lineup leagues, he's a guy to pay attention to because he could be someone who, while he doesn't have the highest ceiling, could have a pretty reasonable floor of targets week in and week out. We know the Texans are going to be bad, and while we saw them in that first preseason game and they looked awful, especially that offensive line, when they did have time and when Davis Mills did have time, he got the ball to one guy and one guy only for the most part, and that was Tank Dell. And it's because Tank Dell is great at separating, and he can use his ability after the catch and his shiftiness to also make plays for himself when he's not always going to be getting the ball down the field. And I think that's what's so intriguing when you talk about a Tank Dell and why I think we should be paying attention to him, because even though he is a potential outlier, he is a guy who could be rising up the ranks, especially when it comes to that Houston receiving core, and could see opportunity fairly early in the NFL and if he did I couldn't blame you if you sold because again I don't know what the ceiling looks like for a tank Dell but there could be an opportunity to gain some value in terms of draft picks maybe he's a guy that you picked up in the third or in the fourth round or even off of waivers that you could potentially sell for a third or a second round pick now a second is probably a little bit bold you have to be pretty good at that point but definitely there could be room for a potential swap for a third, at which point you would be gaining value down the line to where you don't need a tank Dell in the lineup league and you are gaining a third round pick for very little investment off of the waiver wire or a late round draft pick that you already had. So I'd be definitely looking at tank Dell because even though he's a wide receiver and even though wide receivers don't matter a lot unless you're in best ball leagues, he could be a guy who does see some early opportunity and some early hype that we can sell either in the preseason or early in the regular season. I also want to touch on Deuce Vaughn, who I know that Ray will talk about in the Rookie Report, but oh my goodness, did he look every bit the part that he did at Kansas State, the running back who was phenomenal both rushing and catching the ball out of the backfield at Kansas State, looked so good for the Cowboys. I think at this point, they have to play him more, and Ray will probably touch on this a little bit, but if he shows out all preseason... He's not going to have a substantial role, and it sucks that Tony Pollard is the bell cow because Tony Pollard will be the receiving back more likely than not. But if Deuce Vaughn can carve out any role on this offense, I don't think anyone's expecting it. I don't think anyone's projecting it. But there is potential for him to carve out a role as the RB2, RB3 potentially on this roster, at which point he'd be much more viable than it seems like he is right now. He's like RB5 on the depth chart behind Ronald Jones. And I think if he continues to play the way that he did this past weekend, he will move up the depth chart fairly quickly, at which point he will obviously make the team and a guy that could be viable for fantasy if there is a potential injury to Tony Pollard. Because if there is, 
I think that Deuce Vaughn could be the guy who steps into that role, at which point he would be extremely valuable because while Rico Dowdle and Malik Davis are fine, the game breaker who really could make plays for himself and for this Cowboys team may actually be Deuce Vaughn, even though he's small, even though he's not the biggest guy, he's very shifty. He looks great even between the tackles at times. I think there's real potential and real upside for Deuce Vaughn. And again, it's just another guy who was small and is a bit of an outlier. But if he is free, you need to go be picking up off your waiver wires because he is definitely a guy who's deserving of a pickup and will make this roster. And if he continues to show out, will be gaining value in the dynasty market. Now, another guy I do want to touch on because I think he could be one of the biggest steals this year in fantasy football is really Luke Musgrave. I understand that he's a tight end and tight ends only have so much upside, but when we were at the Senior Bowl, he was the talk of the town for the first two days. I mean, all the tight ends at the Senior Bowl were massive, but you look at his usage in the first preseason game with Jordan Love, he was targeted three times with Jordan Love and I believe his 10 throws. So that alone should already tell you he's pretty solidified. It's not a great look if you're holding on to Tucker Craft and we were often advising people maybe fade Luke Musgrave a little bit pick up Tucker Craft, but when you look at the ADP for all of these guys, Luke Musgrave is way behind, you know, even the other rookies in Sam Laporta, Dalton Kincaid. All these guys are kind of in different tiers, and Musgrave is a guy who I believe is in the 150s right now on underdog, and he was a guy who I talked about last week as a very solid value and a guy you have to pay attention to because he's going to get targets in this offense, and we saw that in week one. You look at what he did, and it's very unimpressive, but he was wide open on a crossing route that Jordan Love overthrew him. And he was also set up for a small little like tunnel screen play that Jordan Love couldn't get over a defender. Otherwise, he would have been really good. And for a first game for a rookie tight end, heavy usage for him. And that's why I believe he could be a steal in fantasy drafts this season. If you have Luke Musgrave, I would definitely be holding. But I would honestly not be shocked if he was a top 12 tight end right out the gate because I think the targets could be there for him. I have to look into the history of the tight end position for the Green Bay Packers. And I'll be touching on that a little bit today, talking about the Chicago Bears, and I'll explain why later. But if he is the top target at tight end, there could be some value there. And I don't think I would completely rule out him being the second target on the team, period. Now, that would not be factoring in potentially a lot of targets for Aaron Jones. But I think if Christian Watson's the number one, I think there's a world where maybe Romeo Dobbs is pushed for the number two target on the team with Luke Musgrave, because while we didn't project it early on, the early snaps and every indication is kind of telling us that he could be a guy who is heavily utilized in this offense. And that's something worth mentioning and worth paying attention to. And exactly why I highlighted him in my podcast last week, because you have Kincaid very high up there in ADP. You have Laporta very high up there in ADP, but Laporta only had one target and dropped it. Musgrave had three. As I mentioned, one was overthrown and one was tipped by a defender, but the opportunity could be early and often for a team that while we don't project super great things for them, could be a decent team in the NFC North. So I don't mind taking some shots on Luke Musgrave. I really don't. The more I see him, the more I watch him, I think there's so many indicators that he could be a good tight end even as a rookie. And especially if you're in a two tight end league or a tight end premium, could see the volume to help him move up in some fantasy leagues as well. You know, I talked about Dalton Schultz, how he could be a guy who is maybe a low ceiling but decent floor play, him and Tyler Higby. We could see a similar type of approach when you talk about a Luke Musgrave if the targets are ultimately there for him. And based on what we're seeing, I believe that could be the case. So definitely go and try and look and explore some Luke Musgrave possibilities. Even in redraft leagues, I think you should pay attention to him because I would not be shocked at all if he was a top 12 option, even in his rookie season. 
Another guy I did want to mention very quickly is Kendra Miller. He is projected currently to be ready for week one. He has a mild knee sprain. It's looking like a one to two week injury, and that would basically put him right up to week one and available to play. Unfortunately, though, when you look at his usage in this first game, it was Alvin Kamara heavily utilized with the first team. It was Jamal Williams mostly utilized with the second team and Jameis Winston, and then it was Kendra Miller, and then he ultimately got injured. And even when he was playing, he didn't look that great in the offense. Now, of course, it's still early, not going to overreact too much, but I mean, based on what we're seeing right now, I'm just not really sure how the Saints can confidently walk into the season with a hurt Kendra Miller as their RB3. And especially for the first three weeks of the season, while Alvin Kamara is not available, they likely will need another option to bring in. They obviously explored Kareem Hunt, and there's other running backs who are available on the waiver wire. It seems like at this point, Kendra's outlook is not looking too great, probably as an RB3 on this team, and potentially even an RB4 behind a running back who they bring in. I'm not saying I'm selling Kendra Miller, but it definitely seems like he is not going to be a 2023 play for us. It's looking like more of a 2024 play if they move on from Alvin Kamara. Maybe they make him the feature back in the offense, but Derek Carr looked phenomenal and Alvin Kamara looked just as good as ever in this offense. We also saw some good things from Michael Thomas. Jawan Johnson got utilized early and often. So I think there's a lot of good things that are coming for this New Orleans offense. Just unfortunately for us, probably not so much headed Kendra Miller's way. And with the injury, only going to make things more difficult to get him on the field. And if he can't be 100% and show it in those first three weeks, almost no shot, in my opinion, of him being relevant in year one outside of injury. He's just going to fall too far on the depth chart and not see enough opportunities to be a factor in some of our fantasy leagues this season. The last, it just has to be Kenny Pickett and this Pittsburgh Steelers offense. They looked so good. And we talked about Trey Lance a little bit and Kenny Pickett, like the confidence that this guy has in the offense right now, especially in that first week. If he can build on it, oh man. I am so excited for this Pittsburgh Steelers team because there's so many players that we like from Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, Jalen Warren, Najee Harris, Pat Fryermuth, Darnell Washington, like so many guys that we want to see succeed. And it all comes down to is can Kenny Pickett harness his powers and be the quarterback we need him to be and throw for a decent number of yards, get some touchdowns and make all of these guys fantasy relevant. That's going to be the number one question when we're talking about Kenny Pickett for 2023. Can he take that step forward? I believe that he can. I believe he showed that he has the confidence and ability to get it done. And it is a spot I will be monitoring very closely because I'm definitely loving what I saw from Kenny Pickett. And that touchdown throw to George Pickens... It was a great cut by Pickens to get the touchdown, but man, that throw between two defenders, if you haven't watched it, haven't watched Steelers game, go watch that first drive because Kenny Pickett was phenomenal. They were looking full systems go, and that team could be humming by the time the regular season rolls around. Not trying to overreact, but it's just an offense that we like a lot of pieces on, that we have high hopes for, and if Kenny Pickett can deliver, I think there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic about the Steelers in 2023. All right, it's the moment you all have been waiting for me to break down the Chicago Bears, more specifically Justin Fields and DJ Moore, because many of you are tagging me on Twitter asking for me to apologize about Justin Fields after he dropped a perfect passer rating in his opening and preseason game against the Titans. It was only three attempts, but it was a hell of a lot of yards and two touchdowns, of course. We'll see what happens with the offense this year, but last year it was not good. That's why they were the worst team in the league. That's why they traded the number one overall pick in order to get DJ Moore to be the number one option in this offense. They will have Darnell Mooney coming back from injury. They still have Chase Claypool, and they do have a few other playmakers as well. 
We fully expect Khalil Herbert to lead the backfield. And it's important to point out that Khalil Herbert saw all seven snaps at running back for the Chicago Bears in the opening preseason game. No Deontay Foreman, no Roshan Johnson. And that is a little bit notable because I think we all fully expect a bit of a committee approach to this backfield. But at least in the opening week, we saw nothing of a committee of sorts. Now, of course, Killer Herbert will not get all the work, but if he is getting the majority share of the work, it could it could make him a pretty viable fantasy option for us in 2023 and probably a little bit undervalued as well based off where he is relative to the market right now. So when looking at this offense, I have Justin Fields, you know, projected for the whole share of passing work, 472 attempts right now, and that resulted in 451 targets because, of course, attempts does not equal targets. If you think they do, you are drastically mistaken. 472 attempts, 451 targets. That is almost 100 attempts up from last season. So you can't say that I didn't do some justice by Justin Fields. I basically, the funny part about all this, honestly, is that I gave them 100 more attempts and this still has them in the bottom five in pass attempts relative to last season's passing numbers. If you're not over 550 attempts, you are not even close to average and some teams are well over 600 and even over 700. But with this Bears offense, we fully expect them to run the ball a lot and pass the ball as little as possible because they are built and predicated through the run and it doesn't help that Justin Fields runs the ball a ton. He ran the ball 160 times for 1,143 yards and eight touchdowns. So we fully expect him to be running the ball again. If you want his rushing projection, I have him for 146 carries, 984 yards and six rushing touchdowns. I could have bumped up the rushing touchdowns a little bit, but I think that they will try and get the running backs involved. They don't want to be running the ball in all the time with Justin Fields. I don't think they will be trying to use their running backs a little bit more. And so I'm not going to project this super high number for Justin Fields, but he definitely could rush double digits. He could rush for eight again. We'll see. But I gave him six. I thought that was more than fair. I gave Khalil Herbert six. I gave Dante Foreman four. I gave Roshan Johnson zero. But talking about this team overall, you look at the running back split relative to the rest of the team. I have Khalil Herbert leading this team in terms of rushing with 197 carries, 945 yards. I believe I gave him 4.8 a carry with six touchdowns. That is pretty solid, 176 fantasy points overall. This, I believe, is in PPR scoring. So he did. I don't have him for a lot of receptions. I only have him for 24, 30 targets, 166 yards, and one touchdown. Khalil Herbert should be fine. You know, well, that puts him in running back ranks. I don't really know. I didn't even bother to look it up. But, you know, approximately 1,000 yards. Should see right around six touchdowns. You know, whether it's the Green Bay offense or this offense that we have in Chicago, that RB1 is right around five, six touchdowns or so. The RB1 had nine touchdowns in 2020 in Green Bay, but five and five in the subsequent years, both in Green Bay and then in Chicago last season, and then four touchdowns for the second string running back, both in Green Bay and Chicago in 2021 and 2022. Interesting enough, that's why I gave Foreman four touchdowns. I assume he's going to be the RB2. Maybe it's Roshan Johnson, but we'll have to see how that situation ultimately shakes out. I have Deontay Foreman with 115 carries, 550 yards four touchdowns, and then Roshan Johnson for 28 carries, 135 yards, zero touchdowns. He could obviously have more than that, but more so having more of a receiving role. We'll see if he can carve out a role in this offense. Not going to be overly fantasy relevant if he doesn't take over the backfield. So he'll probably need an injury, but we'll see how preseason shakes out. He didn't play a ton. We saw obviously was fully Herbert with the first team, but I do believe there is a world where he has a decent role. It's just hard to project right now, but that's kind of how I see it playing out of their, you know, 486 carries, 
146 to Fields, 197 for Herbert, 115 for Foreman, and 28 to Roshan Johnson right now. I could, you know, move that around a little bit. But that's just how I saw it going. I think it's a pretty fair number. As I mentioned, I do believe there will be some sort of a backfield split. I honestly, coming into this, thought I would get a little bit more out of Deontay Foreman, but ultimately it didn't really work out that way. I think he's going to be fine. He'll probably be a little bit annoying for fantasy. I think he's a really talented running back, but he's probably only going to be first, second down. Probably not going to see a whole lot in the receiving game from Deontay Foreman, but as a rusher, should be pretty solid overall. Wanted to quickly get the running backs out of the way, but overall, you know, when you talk about Justin Fields, 3,354 passing yards, 24 touchdowns, 11 picks, as I mentioned, 146 attempts, 984 yards, six touchdowns, 340 fantasy points, right around QB4 relative to last year's scoring. He's just behind Joe Burrow in terms of points per game, a little bit higher than he was last season. But of course, he did have some stinkers. I think the biggest thing with Justin Fields this year, he's going to throw the ball more. Hopefully, he runs a little bit less and the team is just a little bit better. But when you look at his rushing, I think that's where people may look at him and say, can he be better? Will he be worse? Will he regress? I always look back to the Lamar Jackson season where he won the MVP and he ran for 1,200 yards. You know, Justin Fields obviously ultimately came close to doing that. But then you look at his subsequent season, he ran almost as much, talking about Lamar Jackson, and the yardage was very comparable as well. His efficiency just dropped a little bit. He still ran for over 1,000 yards, and his rushing attempt was still very close. So as I mentioned last season, Justin Fields ran the ball 160 times. I have him for 146. Very comparable to when you look at Lamar Jackson. He regressed about 200 yards. I have a very similar output for Fields. So I think this is a very realistic possibility. And as I mentioned, when I talked about the quarterbacks and why I believe Justin Fields is actually a pretty solid bet right now. He doesn't have to do a ton passing. He just has to be decent. And if he can still rush at a similar efficiency with a few less attempts, can still be great for fantasy. And that's the biggest thing with Fields. I don't know if he can jump into that elite tier without a lot of passing touchdowns or a lot of rushing touchdowns, which we'll see. I mean, I think he's capable of it. Just will he ultimately do it? I don't know. But if he's still QB4, QB5, right in that burrow range that he was in last year, I think is more than acceptable. And if he can do it more consistently, yes, he will have some boom games, but the consistency is the biggest thing for Fields. And that's where if he can be consistent in 2023, he is more than worth the draft selection when you're talking about taking him at QB6, QB5, and potentially QB7. I don't want to hear these bold predictions of Justin Fields could be QB1. Of course he could be, but he'd have to be damn good. And more importantly, he'd have to throw the ball probably 600 times or be hella efficient when it comes to passing touchdowns, which again, in today's day and age where you have Josh Allen, like throwing for 4,500 yards and rushing for like eight touchdowns, Jalen Hurts, you know, throwing for 3,500 yards, 30 touchdowns and rushing for 11 touchdowns. Like it's so difficult if your offense isn't great to be the number one quarterback. And that's where I think Fields' argument falls flat for me in some regard when you talk about his ceiling. He could jump in there. He will have phenomenal spike weeks. But if this offense isn't really good, that's when it becomes very difficult to project him as a QB1 because we know the Chiefs are good. We know the Bills are good. We know the Eagles are good. I think that the Chargers could be phenomenal and be very, very good. We cannot say that about the Bears. Now, they did bring in some offensive linemen, and as we saw, they looked great in this opening preseason game. They brought in linemen for the left side, and they showed out in that first game. I think this offense overall will be much improved 
but they ha still have a long way to go from basement dwellers all the way to being fantasy relevant where they can support multiple weapons. Justin Fields is locked and loaded top six, seven quarterback, I'd say. I think he's a pretty safe floor. Obviously has a bit of a ceiling. Should fall right in that QB4 to QB7 range, and I'd be very comfortable taking him in an underdog drafts or in redraft. Not to say this is a hot take by any stretch, but I think when you look at the medium projections and what I expect of him, you know, when I did the quarterback show, I said the same thing. I think the field's going to be great. And then now I'm doing the actual projections with all the numbers behind it. I still believe there is a lot of things to like with Justin Fields, and we should not be scared to take him in our fantasy leagues. If you have him, hold him. He should be great again this year, and I'd be happy to have him on any team, regardless of format. I think he's going to be absolutely phenomenal for fantasy in 2023. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It isn't all good. It isn't all good, unfortunately, because I don't know why I catch so much heat for this DJ Moore take, but it's not about hating on DJ Moore. It's really not. And that's why I think people get so confused when I talk about this offense, because it has nothing to do with DJ Moore, the player. Even when you bump him up a hundred pass attempts, which is wild, like it's so unheard of. For an offense that was abysmal last year with an inefficient quarterback that struggled to throw the ball to now all of a sudden throw the ball 550, 600 times. Like that just doesn't happen in the NFL. And so when you're talking about projecting an offense, right? I already told you I believe that Justin Fields can be great for fantasy. But when you talk about his weapons and what we expect, it makes it so much more difficult to be bullish on DJ Moore. If you are trying to say to me, okay, Jordan. I believe DJ Moore is the best weapon in this offense. The best weapon. I'd say, you know what? You're 100% right. I believe he can have 140 targets. I'd say, whoa, hold up. Wait a minute. What? Because when you actually break down the number, 377 last season, he would have had to have a 37% target share to have 140 targets. 37% target share to have 140 targets in this offense last season. As I mentioned, I fully expect them to be better in this season. I fully expect them to throw the ball more. I have them for 472 pass attempts. I have them for 450 targets. But how is he going to get to that, you know, 140, 150 mark? He'd have to have a 30 33% target share. If I'm actually running the numbers here, which let me quickly change my projections real quick. If you give him a 32% target share, he can have 143 targets. 
but I'm not projecting DJ Moore for a 33% target share, a 32% target share. That is absurdly high. And while he is by far the best weapon on this offense, that's just not how things happen in the NFL unless you're basically like a Devontae Adams or a Cooper Cup. And so when you take that in consideration, a 28% target share is still phenomenal. It's still an elite target share. And I talked about this with DeAndre Hopkins. Like, yes, he could have 125 targets in a low passing volume offense, but he's not going to magically have like 150 targets, 160 targets, because they don't throw the ball enough for him to possibly get there. He would have to have an absurdly high unheard of target share. And that literally only happens for like the best of the best receivers. And even the best of the best, like super, super elite is like 30%, 33%, like 35% would be like absurdly high, like ridiculously high. And so that's where the argument for 140 targets for DJ Moore really falls flat. As I mentioned, I gave him a 28% target share, which I think is fairly reasonable. 125 targets, 75 receptions, 1,000 yards, 6 touchdowns. And you're probably thinking, all right, 125, we're being reasonable. We're not like well over our skis here. 75 receptions, okay. He can do that, no problem. Low volume, so we get it. 1,000 yards, okay, 6 touchdowns. You know, hoping for a little more. But realistically, he's not going to score like 10 touchdowns. You're not going to project it anyways, especially for a team that only threw 19 touchdowns last season. I already mentioned I have Justin Fields for 24 touchdowns. So a 25% touchdown share for DJ Moore. Okay, that's not bad, right? I still have Cole Komet for a decent uh, touchdown share as well because he scored seven touchdowns last season. So I think there's a world where Cole Komet still heavily utilized in the red zone. But when you look at DJ Moore again, 211 fantasy points. That's fine in PPR. That's fine. You know, it's basically what he did last season. And I think that's the main takeaway here. This is the takeaway. DJ Moore is going to be the same dude that he was last season. He could see more targets, potentially. Like, I just don't know if there's a world where he sees all of this volume that people project. And like, I still think he's a phenomenal talent. I still think he deserves the ball, but... I don't know if he's going to be this phenomenal receiver for fantasy. And this is where the argument falls flat for me. You can draft him. You can say he has a super high ceiling. You can say he's a top 10 option. You can say he'd be a wide receiver one. But the offense does not dictate that at all, like in any way, shape, or form. And this is a team that, for better or worse, spreads the ball around quite a bit. You look at like last season... I, I project out three running backs, five receivers, two tight ends. That made up only 90% of the total targets in this offense. So 10% unaccounted for. And then this new offense I'm projecting for 2023, I have them projecting out for 94% of the same amount of work. So you're funneling some of this targets up and you know some of those will go to Darnell Mooney. Some of those will go to Chase Claypool, Velas Jones, Economy of St. Brown, right? Cole Komet, I do think could see an upwards of a 17% target share in 2023, but because he's not going to be scoring as many touchdowns, it won't mean that he's going to be this phenomenal talent in 2023. He'll probably be very similar to what he did last season, a boomer bust tight end with some upside, but with DJ Moore there, he can't be the focal point of the offense and he can't be a guy who sees all of these targets and is phenomenal for fantasy. He'll probably be an average tight end, 54 receptions, 562 yards, Five touchdowns could be a little bit better, but surprisingly, not so high in terms of yards per reception for his career. He's right around 10 and a half, and I believe that's the number I have him projected for right now. I have him, yeah, for 10 and a half, 
uh, yards per reception, 54 receptions, 79 targets, actually second on the team. You know, he got a new extension. He got some money. I think they're going to utilize their tight end pretty heavily. And especially when you talk about, I believe he had an 82% catch percentage last year from Justin Fields. So phenomenal in terms of his output. But overall, low ceiling guy who probably is more of a floor play when you talk about tight ends. And especially if DJ Moore is the number one target, I just have issues figuring out where this production is going to come from because unless Justin Fields is throwing the ball 550 times, there's just not a world where all of a sudden Cole Komet and DJ Moore are these phenomenal fantasy assets. And so that's kind of the main takeaway when you look at this Bears offense and why I don't want to ramble on too much about it is that it goes back to when I talked about Tennessee with DeAndre Hopkins and Traylon Burks. They are great receivers. They're going to have great target shares. And even giving DJ Moore a 28% target share, which is very good, very, very good, it only puts him at 125 targets. And that's just that's just not that great. You know, you can make it a little bit higher. Okay, sure, give him 30%. 134 targets, 80 receptions, 1,082 yards. Maybe you bump his touchdowns up by one, but it's not a drastic change. 224 fantasy points would put him right around maybe wide receiver in 18, 19 in terms of fantasy points per game last season. You know, basically what I have projected for right now is right around what Garrett Wilson did last season. But without the volume, he's going to be more efficient, breaking tackles, scoring touchdowns, all the things we expect DJ Moore to do, but the volume just isn't going to be there, unfortunately, when you're talking about an offense that's going to be so low volume and so heavily reliant upon the run. I don't think we should expect this team to magically pass more than they run. Yes, if for some reason Justin Fields can fix his damn sack rate, he will throw the ball away more, but he's still going to have to throw the ball away. He's still going to run the ball, and that ultimately takes away targets from the offense. When your quarterback is running the ball 150 times, especially when a decent chunk of those are not designed runs, is hurting all of the pass catchers on the team. And so that's the main reason why DJ Moore is kind of overvalued for me, and I still don't project him to be have an overly high ceiling. Now, I talked about how... You know, his over-under for yardage right now is only 800. It is a little bit low, but it factors in, you know, the Bears being a little bit worse, maybe a potential injury to Justin Fields or DJ Moore. And I thought it was a fine line, but when you look at it overall, like it's not that far off from what some of the books project. And I wouldn't say it's crazy to say that DJ Moore having a thousand yards and like that's it is unreasonable. And that's the bigger point here. If you're drafting DJ Moore for this mythical ceiling, he would have to have a super outlier season relative to what we should expect from the Bears in 2023. This is not about trying to be the most right. It's just about trying to set expectations for what we expect of this offense. And when I'm already bumping up the pass attempts by 100, that should tell you a lot. Like I'm bumping them up by more than 25% heading into 2023. They didn't even throw the ball 400 times last year, and now they're going to throw it not 500 times, but that's still over 25% increase from what they did last season. And that is a massive, substantial increase. And maybe that will come at the expense of Justin Fields' rushing a little bit, and that's sort of accounted for, not really. I think he'll still run the ball a lot. I'm expecting this team to be more efficient, to be better on offense, to score more points, but ultimately will still run the ball a lot and be heavily reliant on the run Three different players over 100 carries is important to point out. One at almost 200, their quarterback at 150, and still only 450 targets for these pass catchers to go around. 
I think that Justin Fields will have a phenomenal season in 2023. Literally zero, 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 zero concerns when you're talking about Fields, as I've pointed out on a couple of these shows. But DJ Moore, to me, it's just he's overvalued. I just don't see a world where we should reasonably expect 140 to 150 targets because the target share along with the pass attempts would have to be astronomically high relative to what we should expect from the Bears in 2023. And that's the main takeaway here. The takeaway is not to say that I dislike any of these players, but when you're actually statting these guys out and looking at the history of the Bears, they don't throw the ball a lot. Like even when you're looking at Green Bay in the past with Lou Getzey and the offense, he comes from 468 total attempts to these weapons I talked about, the three running backs, the five receivers, the two tight ends. 506 in 2021, 322 in 2022. That's it. So of the 377 attempts, only 322 went to those top options. Like that is a problem. And even now, I believe I have 423 of the 451 targets going to the top 10 options on the team with 125 of those going to DJ Moore. I think it's more than reasonable. Now, he could have a great catch rate, and that could be a reason why he does a little bit better than expected. But overall, I think we should be a little bit more concerned about DJ Moore's ceiling. He could be fine in terms of floor, but he could also have some stinkers. And I think that's the reason why DJ Moore is so tough. He'll have some great games, but he may have some stinkers as well. Because while I expect Justin Fields to be great, that's not predicated on his passing. And he would have to take a massive step forward as a passer. And this offense would have to take a massive step forward in the passing game, along with the attempts, along with the efficiency. It's just so much of this all has to go right for DJ Moore to truly be a top 15 option at the wide receiver position. I think he's probably a back end two with maybe mid tier two upside, but I also think he's a guy who could be a wide receiver three and we shouldn't be entirely shocked by that. If touchdowns don't go his way, or heaven forbid, Darnell Mooney is a little bit better than expected because he does have a rapport with Justin Fields. You never know. And if DJ Moore is getting doubled and Fields doesn't want to throw in a double coverage, maybe he goes another route. I still like Cole Komet. I think he's kind of a back-end tight end that I don't really think has a ton of upside in this offense, but maybe could be just fine. And then as I mentioned, I don't mind Khalil Herbert right now. And if he is the starter and he does see the lion's share of the carries, should be pretty viable for fantasy. But for me right now in the Bears offense... It's Justin Fields, and that's about it. It's just the way I see it, and it's not to discredit any of these players on this team, but without a substantial step forward, it's just not looking good for this Bears offense for fantasy football. They could be better in terms of real football, but in terms of fantasy, it's Justin Fields, especially at ADP, and that's about it. I'll take my shots on DJ Moore, especially if you're playing underdog, best ball, that kind of stuff, but the ceiling that some people have for this guy, it just seems to be way too high and expectations need to be tempered just a little bit to see how does he ultimately fit in this offense and can he really have this 33% target share that would be necessary for him to be this you know high-end wide receiver two, back-end wide receiver one in fantasy football. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Straight to the Bank. As always, I am your host, Jordan Richards. Little programming note for this show. It will be going on Fridays going forward. I talked about how I want to use some of these sportsbook lines and projections to help you guys in your fantasy leagues throughout the season. That's why this show will be moving to Friday along with 4D moving on and doing their own thing. So this show is moving to Friday going forward. You can follow me on Twitter at your boy, Jay Rich. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast feed. And as always... 
I love you guys. But I'm out. Peace. But I keep it real. I keep it a hundred. I promise. I keep it a hundred. I promise. I keep it a thousand. I promise. I keep it ten thousand. I promise. I'm keeping it honest. I promise. I'm keeping it honest. I'm keeping it honest. I promise.